We are going to energize the country. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Sandy Horvath, who is the Green Party's candidate for next year's Bristol mayoral election. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Um, So the first question uh, that I like uh, to ask you, Sandy, is what made you decide to stand as the Green Party's candidate uh, for Bristol, the mayority of Bristol? Uh, so I'm passionate about two things. One is the environment, but also second is uh, social justice. And for me, the Green Party brings those two things together um, in a way that makes um, that makes sense and, and doesn't play one off uh, against the other. So um, I, and I, I think also being a mayor is a very uh, practical post it's unlike an MP where you're debating big ideas and unless you're in government you don't have a, a huge amount of power it's really important that actually we start to uh, build the new world that we want to live in in our uh, in our city so uh, by combining uh, social justice and environmental justice we can make our uh, cities more livable places for people and better for the environment uh, you know and there are all sorts of examples like uh, building more uh, local and renewable energy not only does it um, reduce our carbon emissions but it um, is good for local jobs and creates uh, cheaper electricity for local people too so that's a really good example of how it meets um, social economic and environmental targets uh, and really as mayor I'd like to be able to put those things into practice. Mm. Um, now, of course, uh, your manifesto hasn't come out yet. It'll obviously come out uh, sooner to the election. But uh, j- just briefly, what are your main uh, priorities uh, going out into the campaign? What do you want your campaign to be about? So I can I can tell you that there are three things. The first is transport and sorting out our traffic problems and uh, and cleaning up our air. The second has to be housing. Uh, and the third is going to be around the, um, the economy and jobs. Now, obviously, uh, coronavirus throws all of these things up in the air. So mm-hmm. as we get closer to the election, we're going to have to see what the situation is. But, you know, Bristol suffers from some of the worst congestion, some of the dirtiest air, and our, uh, the amount of traffic that we have in the city means that actually business doesn't do as well as it could because people are stuck in traffic all the time. So uh, investing in uh, more bus lanes in the long term, I appreciate now public transport isn't a priority because of COVID, but in the long term it will be. Investing in really good uh, walking and cycling routes and pedestrianisation is going to be uh, is going to be key um, as well. And that way we can we know that business flourishes, we know that it creates jobs, it cleans up our air. Um, and makes our city a more uh, livable place. So that's transport. The second thing is housing. Uh, we have um, a, a, an overheated housing market, mm. even in this uh, in the pandemic. There's not enough houses, and we need to build more. 
Um, and my priority is not only to support the private sector to build housing, but actually to build more council housing. Mm. We committed to building 2,000 new council homes uh, just before the election was cancelled, and that's something that I will uh, stick by. And then, of course, um, as uh, COVID bites and, and you know there is a real threat that many, many people will lose their jobs, we need to be investing um, in the economy uh, and, and building um, uh, and supporting business to create new jobs and particularly green jobs. So that's things like insulating our home, uh, putting in uh, more renewable energy um, uh, systems in our in our city too. So um, the idea is we can have green jobs and build back better. Um, now, you mentioned housing there and working with the private sector to ensure that there are more houses in Bristol. In in that regard, would you want to make sure that the uh, people that you're working for understood that the houses had to be as, uh, you know, um, climate friendly and as ecologically friendly as possible? And how would you make sure that they were, you know, aware of that and, and, and understood that in terms of planning where to build the houses and what sort of uh, materials they would use? Yeah, so um, absolutely, of course. And we know that that. Uh, modern housing design, modern materials can be far more uh, environmentally friendly than, um, uh, than than in the past. And I think a lot of developers are, are starting to, to realise that. But um, uh, in Bristol, there is a, a sort of partly owned council um, company that is uh, that we would start to use. It's called uh, Gorham Homes. It, it, it uses council land to build private sector partnerships. Um, with housing builders and when you're in partnership um, you can insist on uh, enough social housing and affordable housing but also you can insist on uh, environmental standards too. Um, Alongside that we can add in uh, new planning guidance um, uh, as well but you know to a point living in this sort of market system that we live in we have to understand that house builders want to make a profit too um, uh, currently, I think many of them make uh, a little bit too much, and we ought to uh, use some of that to make our buildings um, uh, both more affordable and more environmentally friendly. And that's what we would look to work with private developers in order to achieve that. Um, you also mentioned um, jobs there as one of uh, your priorities. What kind of um, more uh, green jobs and green sector jobs would you be looking at that you would try to encourage? Do you have any particular uh, industries in mind that you, you'd like to promote? Mm. So um, I'm uh, there, there's there's nothing sp- specific, I suppose. Well, well, OK, so one of the key things that we would want to do is to uh, start to insulate all of the council homes. It's the it's the best way uh, to save money for those who are poorest on the electricity bills and reduce carbon. And we reckon in order to um, uh, to insulate all of the council homes, we're creating up to 10,000 um, new jobs in the city over the next 10 years. So that's clearly one uh, thing that we can do. Bristol is also a hub of green tech. So we have three universities here, uh, a number of um, big renewable energy companies. And our job would be to support those startup companies. We, um, uh, you know, there are spaces in the city where we can support newly formed companies to to scale up and give them advice. You know, many of the the, uh, 
um, small and medium-sized enterprises in the city that I speak to often say they want to go green, but you know, if they, it takes a lot of work to look at your mm. supply chain, to look at your, um, uh, you know, the materials or mm. the ingredients you're using or whatever. But actually, many of them there's a, if you can learn very quickly from each other. And I've uh, been part of uh, a number of meetings to bring small and medium-sized businesses together so they can learn from each other. And, uh, you know, a very good example just down the road for me is a, a, an independent bakery. Um, they've done a whole load of research on how they can get everything from their milk to their dough to um, you know uh, even their electricity mm. uh, from an environmentally friendly source and they're really willing to share that with other companies too um, which means that you can spread out uh, that knowledge and that understanding um, throughout business in the city and that's something that I think the council should be doing uh, should be doing more of because actually a, a lot of businesses in the city want to be green um, and but often it's just having the time and the expertise to do that. And I think that's the role that the council can play uh, in supporting green tech, um, uh, insulation and, and small enterprises uh, to go green. Mm. Um, now, of course, um, Bristol uh, this year very recently uh, hit the headlines when um, the statue of uh, Edward Colston was pulled down during uh, Black Lives Matter protests if you were elected mayor how would you engage uh, with people uh, in bristol who want to see uh, more done to um uh, deal with 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 bristol's past associations with mm. slavery and to move uh, forward from that in a, a a progressive and a um cooperative way yeah so I, I'm absolutely something is in my working life, in my day job, I run a large uh, youth charity that works with 10,000 young people each year. We've got 150 staff. And, you know, one of the key things that we do is to work alongside the black community to mm. make sure black young people have the best start in life. Uh, and at the same time, I'm very privileged to work with uh, one of my fellow green councillors, uh, Cleo Lake, who has been uh, campaigning. She was Lord Mayor of Bristol a couple of years ago, and she has been campaigning for her whole life to um, both pull, take down, legally take down the, the Colston statue and to mm. put um, uh, in place a, a proper museum of the enslaved uh, African people to raise awareness of, of the issue. And, and so um, it's something that Greens have been working on for a long, long time uh, in this city. And the tearing down of the Colson statue, whilst I don't uh, agree with the way it's done, has really started the, the debate. But, you know, where we are now, um, we're six months on from that. The plinth is still empty. Many of the black community are feeling frustrated that, um, that the plinth is still empty and, and very little is actually being done. So uh, on the plinth itself, I've proposed right from the start that it should be almost like the fourth um, plinth in Trafalgar Square where yeah. we can have Bristol artists and starting with black Bristol artists putting their uh, pieces up to tell the story of the whole city not just the black community but the whole city um, you know maybe a new piece of art every three months or so mm. um, but very much starting with, with black artists but um, more importantly than that what's what we need to do is really to invest in um, the black communities themselves so supporting uh 
the community centres there. And, you know, one of the key things is housing. You know, many of the black community, particularly the Somali community, are living in large families in small houses with not enough bedrooms for every child to have their bedroom, their own bedroom and their own peace and quiet. And it's a, that's why housing is one of our key issues, um, because we know it, it will benefit the city as a whole, but it will also particularly benefit the black community in, in Bristol. And it's something that we really need to, um, uh, we really need to focus on. Um, the, the third thing I would say as well is, is around education. You know, we know that education is the best um, uh, out of poverty it's the best way to to help everybody and particularly young people reach their potential um, but again in the inner city areas of the city which is uh, you know where, where predominantly where the black community live mm. there are not enough spaces in schools and there's again just across from where I live I'm looking out of my window now there's an industrial estate which has been earmarked for the last four years to have a new secondary school built on it um, it was due to open this year, but there's no sign uh, of even a, a bulldozer, let alone um, planning permission. Mm. And um, we uh, and so uh, pupils from the inner city are being crammed into existing schools, which means um, it will put down the, the the quality of our education. So again, the black community and and all of the the um, more disadvantaged communities need investment and that's something that we would look to do if i became mayor um now of course we've mentioned uh coronavirus throughout uh, our discussion if you're elected how do you think coronavirus may hinder you uh implementing your manifesto and, and the things you want to do in bristol um so i i, I think it, of course it is hindering some things the creation of jobs can't happen when people are on furlough or in lockdown or uh, business can't thrive you know um, house building and development has slowed down um, uh, more people are getting into their cars in order to avoid public transport so there are some uh, some serious barriers there and we do need to get over this initial uh, this initial issue but I was pleased today to see that a vaccine seems to be a step closer with mm. a, one of the big um, companies um, uh, applying for, for further trials. So that's a good thing. But, um, you know, the, in some ways, we just have to deal with those things. They're an immediate crisis and we must get over them. But um, lockdown dis and coronavirus, despite being a, a terrible thing, and particularly those for those who are suffering physically or who lost loved ones, um, which to which my heart goes out, but there are some opportunities that come from it. People are uh, realising what's important, that families and friends and neighbourhoods and communities and open space and clean air are the really important things uh, in life. And therefore, I think that gives us an opportunity to say, well, maybe we, we can focus on these things. We can rebuild our local communities, our local shops and local businesses, uh, and that there'll be more support for that i think people are more willing to look at different ways of getting around the city so um investing in cycle lanes and more bus lanes and better pedestrian access so i, th I think there are some things that come out of it and you know the, the one thing i do think and i talk to a lot of the young people that um, we work with on a day-to-day -day basis 
And, uh, you know, they're sort of chomping at the bit. They're, they're, I think there's going to be when this is over, and, and it may be some time before it's over, but after it's over, I think there's going to be an explosion, explosion of energy and creativity and mm. new business ideas and new ways of doing things, which um, we need to harness and we need to be ready to harness that. Um, and Bristol is well-placed. It's a thriving, vibrant, creative city and um, with good leadership, it can, uh, it can take advantage of, the, uh, of the, the potential growth spurt that will happen after this really difficult period. Do you think that uh, coronavirus has changed people's attitudes towards climate change? Do you think it's given them the opportunity to look at it again and perhaps be either more committed or perhaps be convinced for the first time about its impact? Um, I, I think it's a good question. I, I, think, um, I think most people uh, believe that climate change is, is an issue, but have sort of seen it as, as something a bit distant and, you know, they, they might do a bit of extra recycling or get on their bikes at weekend, but it, it hasn't yet fundamentally changed um, the way we work and the way we do business. I think... Uh, I, I think lockdown, particularly the first lockdown, did show us a slightly different way. And I think people appreciated that actually some of the <coughs> excuse me, changes we need to make for climate change might actually be just generally beneficial for, for our city and for our country um, as, a, as a whole. Um, I, I think on the flip side, it, understanding how difficult it's been to get through coronavirus also means uh, shows how difficult it's going to be to to really take on a, a much bigger issue like climate change. Um, but I, I come back to my previous answer, which is I, I think I think people have a crisis like this makes us look at ourselves and and think about really what is important. And therefore, I, I do think people's um, views and and approach. To climate change is shifting because I think we're, we're realising what is important and the sort of frivolous consumer things that, that we might have enjoyed don't bring us the joy and happiness that we uh, thought they did um, and actually in hard times and when we're faced with a challenge actually um, we need to look at the things that really matter so our community and our uh, clean air and our parks and um, our neighbourhoods and communities. Um, now, of course, uh, recently we've seen the declaration of the uh, winner of the recent U.S. presidential election, Joe Biden. He's now um, president-elect mm. of the United States, and he has said quite publicly and unequivocally that once he becomes president, he will reverse President's, uh, President Trump's decision to leave uh, the Paris Climate Accord. Do you think that it's important that the United States is part of the uh, Paris Climate Accord and is at the table uh, promoting science on uh, climate change? Gosh, of course, it's absolutely vital that America as the biggest economy um, takes climate change seriously. You know, when Donald Trump left, the, uh, the, you know, announced that he was going to leave the the climate accord it effectively allows everybody else in the world to throw up their hands and go well if america's not going to do anything about it the world's going to get warmer anyway so we might as well carry on ourselves you know this is what leadership is about um, tackling climate change is hard and i and i think I, I sometimes say that the green party makes it sound a bit easy it isn't going to be easy it's going to be really hard but that's the difference between 
leadership and and just doing what Trump has done on all sorts of issues over the last four years, um, where he's just uh, thrown aside um, the, the the difficult challenges that we face. So having America back in the Paris Climate Accord is absolutely essential, and I think shines a light again for the rest of the world to to follow. It forces uh, other big polluters like China and other Western countries to to follow suit. And it also just makes us all feel like we're in it together. Mm. And this is something that we do have to tackle together and it's worth tackling together. And for that, I will be eternally grateful to Joe Biden. Of course, the key is, and this is the issue that we see across the world, is lots of politicians talk about it, including our own mayor in Bristol, talk a lot about tackling climate change. But... The reality is very, very different to um, uh, to the rhetoric, and therefore it's really important that politicians are willing to follow through. And I'm afraid in Bristol we haven't seen that, and that's um, my promise is to actually take action rather than just talking about it and creating strategies and and plans. And I hope that uh, Joe Biden does the same when he becomes president next year. Um, now, of course, uh, next year we will see uh, not just the mayoral elections, but um, council elections and, and parliamentary elections in Scotland and Wales. How prepared do you think the uh, Green Party are for these elections and how optimistic are you at the, the Green Party potentially uh, making gains and, and winning council seats and such? So we're, we're feeling optimistic um, and you know, people are talking about climate change more. People are understanding that some of the things we need to do to tackle our environmental issues are good for our cities and towns. So, uh, so we're hopeful to make some uh, significant gains. And in very green places uh, like Bristol, we think we've got a real chance of um, winning control of the council. Um, what do you think are the, the Green Party's prospects for the, the next general election? I know it's quite a, a while off, but do you think that uh, more people will be inclined to vote for the Green Party at the next general election? Do you think that the support and momentum is growing? Um, yes, I do think that the support and momentum is growing. I think we, we, we're still in a period and, and the, the Biden election, I, I hope, signals that the, the the beginning of the end of a period of real divisiveness and partisanship and and polarized politics and i think people are looking for a different way and the old right left paradigm if that's what you want to call it is starting to wear pretty thin especially as you sort of have corbyn on one side and and um uh, boris on on the other so i think people are looking for a new way I think the, the biggest challenge that actually we face is the Green Party is the voting system that we have. Uh, you know, um, the first past the post system means that almost everybody makes a decision to keep the other guys out. So they vote um, either for Conservative or, or uh, uh, the, the Labour Party, which squeezes out smaller parties like, like the Green Party. And, you know, fundamentally, I think I... I, I would have to check the statistics um, exactly, but I think for a Conservative Party to get an MP takes about sort of 40,000, 50,000 votes, but for uh, the Green Party to get our one MP takes a million votes across the country. So at the moment, the system isn't fair. The system doesn't represent 
the voting patterns of the people of the country. And I think if we change the system, then that's when we would see smaller parties like the Green Party doing much better uh, because I think people want to vote with their heart. They want to vote green. This is what we hear on the doorstep. But when it comes to a general election, they uh, they fear the other party. So um, vote um, either Conservative or Labour. I think that will be different in local elections because I think people are seeing Green Party councillors working hard in their communities already. Um, and I think they're... Um, I think the Green Party is, is set to do well again, uh, like we did last time. Um, now, you mentioned uh, partisanship there and perhaps a move away from it. And of course, this has been mentioned uh, for many years. But do you think that the the prospect of a, a, a pact or some sort of arrangement between the Green Party and the, and the Liberal Democrats and the Labour Party could be something potentially uh, beneficial for the, the future, whether on a, a local or a, a national scale? Or, or do you think it would be better for the, the Green Party to, to stay on, on its own as such? Well, look, just, I mean, I'll give Bristol as an example. We work with other parties all the time. And in Bristol, I've promised to have a rainbow cabinet. So if I win as mayor, I would have a cabinet of um, uh, of councillors that would represent all of the uh, all of the parties that were voted for um, uh, in in the local election. So it is already happening locally. But I think until the Labour Party is the dominant party on the on the left wing of politics, um, until they are willing and until they understand that they're not going to get significant parliamentary majorities without working with others. I think we're a little bit stuck. The Green Party and the Lib Dems have have offered for a long time to work alongside the Labour Party, but the Labour Party has believed that it can do it on its own. But, you know, we've had 10 years now of of a Conservative government. They've got the biggest majority they've had um, in a long, long time. And currently, there's no sign of them losing power. So I think it's, it's incumbent on the Labour Party now to start looking at itself and how it works with others. Because frankly, at the moment, the Green Party doesn't have the power to do that. But we're very willing to work with them uh, if they were willing to offer. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. It's been uh, great to speak to you, Sandy. And I've got one final question, as we've obviously been discussing coronavirus has affected uh, our lives completely and uh, currently in England uh, we're in a a lockdown. Uh, When that uh, lockdown lifts or when coronavirus is in in some way uh, resolved, what one thing that you haven't been able to do uh, because of this uh, situation are you most looking forward to being able to do again? Me personally? Mm. Uh, Oh gosh, go out and see friends (laughs) and have a good dance. I love dancing. Um, but you know we, we can't see people from other households, mm. and even during even when lockdowns eased, you could see one or two people. But uh, you know it's it, I, I, we're social creatures. We like meeting others. That's how we gain energy and come up with new ideas and have fun and build community. That's certainly that's how I do it. And and I'm missing being with people, despite the wonders of technology and the fact that it means that we can reduce our car use and all that sort of thing. Mm. I think I just miss people and I like being with people and I'm looking forward to being with more people when lockdown ends. Well, hopefully it won't be that long till you're back out there dancing again. Um, For anybody who is interested in in following your campaign or supporting you, where should they go to find out more information about you and your campaign? 
so you can uh, look on my website, Sandy, and then the number four mayor.co.uk or just search Sandy uh, and Bristol Green Party and you'll find you should find everything you need and please do sign up if you're interested in being a volunteer uh, and getting involved or send me drop me a line uh, and I'm happy to answer any questions well thank you once again for coming on the podcast my pleasure thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast if you've enjoyed it you can subscribe to us on iTunes Spotify Podbeam and Amazon Music you can also follow us on Twitter, at Debated Podcast, like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast, or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, I hope you listen to the next one. Debated Podcast.